Jesus lifted me. Let's stand together and sing. Ready? Here we go. I'm so
does hear, you know He does hear. And as we sing this song, and, and you may be sitting there and, and you, I'm not going to sing. I don't have the words. The words are so easy. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to you just to worship you. And I pray that what comes out of my mouth, no matter how I sound, is pleasing to you. If you will lift your voice to Him, no matter how we sound, let's just praise Him. Let's just worship Him together right here in this simple little chorus, beautiful little chorus. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul ought to rejoice tonight. Take joy. I pray you take joy, my King, in what you hear right here tonight. Let's sing that together one last time. Are you ready? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Special. I want to introduce our speaker. Uh, some of you are familiar with Brother Joe, and uh, through the Flatwoods Mountain View connection, and even way back when, uh, he's got some uh, slight Arkansas connections, but from the state of Louisiana. Uh, matter of fact, uh, from where Karen is from, Bossier City, he's known them. Matter of fact, the Wilkes is longer than I have, and, uh, and I came into the scene in 1986, and he was at Green Acres Missionary Baptist Church at that time. Uh, and I'll let him kind of get fill in all the details, but uh, he left there, became a missionary to Lithuania and uh, the Baltic area and, and Europe and uh, former Soviet Republic. But uh, anyway, and then of course the tragic passing of one of my dear friends, As a matter of fact, the usher in my wedding, uh, Brother Wayne Harper was his pastor, and now uh, that's uh, where Brother Joe pastors, Flatwoods Missionary Baptist Church, and so I'm going to turn, let him fill in any details he wishes to, 
And uh, Brother Joe, just come preach to us God's Word. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is holy. Be still, O restless soul of mine. Bow before the Prince of Peace. Let the noise and clamor cease. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is faithful. Consider all that He has done. Stand in awe and be amazed. And know that He Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is God. Be still. Be speechless. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know He is our Father. Come rest your head upon His breast and listen to the rhythm of His unfailing heart of love. Beating for still and know that he is God. That's really the essence of revival. That's really the essence of of why we're here. Revival takes place in the people of God and in the body of Christ when we be still and know that he is the Lord as he speaks to us through his word and by his spirit. The people are God are those who 
who listen to him and hear his word and claim his promises, but above all, they worship him and exalt him for who he is. Brother Michael called me several weeks ago and asked me about preaching this revival, began to pray about it, what direction to go and and exactly what to speak about. And the thing that kept coming back to my mind over and over and over again sounds so simple, but promised land. Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church, I just simply want to ask you this question. Are you living up to your name? Promised Land. And over the next few nights, we're going to be looking at the book of Deuteronomy. As Moses led the people to the edge of the land of promise. And he looks over and sees all that God had for them. It's the land of promise. And we're going to talk about enjoying the good life. The good life in the land of promise. You know, when we talk about promised land, isn't it amazing a lot of time the sayings that we have, uh, the religious sayings, even the church sayings, and even the songs that we sing, a lot of times they sound so good and they cause us uh, even to shed a tear or two, but when you really begin to examine them, a lot of times they don't agree with Scripture. Most of the time when we think of the promised land, we think of heaven. We sing songs about crossing over Jordan, going into the land of promise, and so many times it is associated with heaven. But yet as we look at Scripture, we find that the promised land was a land of battle. It was a land of war. It was a land of victory. It was a land of peace. It was a land of blessing. But the promised land does not represent heaven. The promised land represents here. And when you look at the children of Israel from the time that they were in bondage to Egypt until they went into the promised land, everything that is uh, pictured in that is a picture of exactly the really walk of discipleship. What He's called us to do. And the very essence of this, God wants us to enjoy the land of promise. He wants us to enjoy the good life in the land of promise as we worship Him. Think back with me. The children of Israel have been in bondage under Pharaoh. And yet that is a picture of the same bondage of you and me before we were saved, lost, in bondage to sin, in uh, in bondage to the God of this world, and, and lost in Egypt is a picture of the world, and say our Pharaoh is a picture of Satan. But God wanted to deliver them, and He wanted to deliver them and take them into the land of promise. But before that could happen, redemption had to take place. And so we see when they applied the blood to the doorpost. In the Passover, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. A picture of redemption, a picture of salvation, of how that death, death has no power over those who are under the blood. But then they had to leave Egypt. 
You see, listen, God, God not only redeems us by the power of the blood of Christ, but we have to leave Egypt. And His intention was them to go into the promised land. But they had to make a public identity. And so they went down into the Red Sea and they're covered by a cloud and walls of water, which is a picture of baptism that you publicly covenant with the church of Jesus Christ and say, I'm leaving Egypt. I'm following Jesus Christ to the land of promise. And so they go and, 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 and listen, it was only just a short journey to the land of promise, but they began to doubt, they began to fear, they began to look back to Egypt. And they sent in spies. God said, there's the land, it's all before you. This wonderful land. But they doubted and they grumbled and they complained. And they wandered for 40 years until another generation was raised up. And then that next generation, they crossed over Jordan and they went into the land of promise. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. You see, the land of promise is a picture of victory. The victory and the purpose that is ours in Jesus Christ. Now, as we sit with Him in heavenly places here, it's not talking about heaven. I don't have any enemies in heaven. I don't have any battles in heaven. There are plenty of battles in the promised land. You see, it all comes down to this, ladies and gentlemen. It all comes down to this. There are only three types of people in this audience here. There are those who are still in Egypt who have never been saved. They've never come under the redeeming power of the blood of Christ. You need to be saved. And then there are those who have been saved. They've even followed the Lord in baptism. But they are wandering around in the wilderness in defeat, following totally the flesh, following their own paths and their own ways. And they're really just believers wandering around in unbelief. And then there are those who have stepped over into the promised land and day by day, are enjoying the victory that God has. But what are we talking about in all of this? Promised land, enjoying the good life, is directly related to properly relating to the Lord our God. For you see, what you believe about God says where you are tonight. In Egypt? In the wilderness? Or in the promised land? You see, enjoying the good life is what everybody is interested in. And the conflict and confusion comes in deciding how to get it. Just what is this good life that the Bible is speaking about? People ask and opinions flourish and the politicians promise it and the world tries to, to, to copy it, but it's only found in properly relating to the Lord God. So I invite your attention to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And here are the words of Moses as he stood on the edge of the promised land. And notice what it says. Chapter 1, verse 1. And I want to encourage you, this week, get home tonight, just read on ahead in Deuteronomy. We're going to be on Deuteronomy for the next four nights. 
These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side of Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazaroth and Dizahab. There are eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. After he had slain Sihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt of Ashtaroth in Edre, on this side of Jordan, in the land of Moab, get this, on this side of Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you and take your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites and to all the places nigh thereunto and the plain and the hills and in the vale and in the south and by the seaside to the land of the Canaanites and unto Lebanon, and unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And I want you to get verse 8, because here's what we're going to be looking at every night this week. Behold, I have set the land before you. Look, behold, I have set the land before you, this land of promise. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. The land of promise. To enjoy the good life in the land of promise. The question that arises for all of us is how do you find the good life? How do you find this land, this promised land living that he's talking about? And as we look at the book of Deuteronomy, it gives us clear insight as to God's views and of enjoying the good life. And, 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 and we should not be surprised over the next few nights as we look at this that it differs from popular opinion of this world. It is my conviction that Deuteronomy has some things to say on the subject, but on a level that is rarely dressed in our world today, in all of its social and political rhetoric that we're hearing. I remember... And it's hard to believe, but it's been 31 years ago. But I remember in 1980 when Ronald Reagan was running against Jimmy Carter, he asked the American people in the debate, and they said it was the turning point. He said, are you better off than you were four years ago? And he said it really turned the tide. And before he asked that question, Carter had been leading in the polls. And after that, it was downhill. And Reagan won the election by simply asking a simple question, are you better off than you were four years ago? Brothers and sisters, that really goes to the heart of the matter. What are you talking about? Because they, basically that is what we all, we, we want the good life. But I want you to understand the good life is defined by Scripture. And if we are to enjoy the promised land, if we are to enjoy the good life, if we are to enjoy this abundant life that is richly promised in Christ, 
The key is to be still and to know that He is God and to properly relate to the Lord your God. So, ask yourself, what about you? Where are you? Is your life fulfilled? Are you where you wanted to be? Are you where you expected to be? Are you trying to achieve the good life on your terms? And has it worked? And so as we look at this tonight, which really sets the stage for the rest of the night, I want us to, I just want to focus on some simple questions as it related to Moses, as Moses stood before the people to prepare them for the promised land living. The first thing I want you to see is who said it. And in verse 1 we find these words, These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel. Now, if we are to properly understand the significance of what God is saying to us in the book of Deuteronomy, we need to know about this man, Moses. And we need to understand the setting of what is taking place here. The first thing I want you to notice is we talk about Moses. He was a prepared man. Although Moses did not realize it until later. Everything God was doing in his life was preparing him for his destiny and his purpose to lead the people to the land of promise. From his birth, in his training, growing up in the home of the Pharaoh's daughter, for 40 years God was preparing Moses and educating him for the work that was before him. I want you to understand this. The foundation of understanding promised land living and understanding what God has promised is realizing that upon your life, listen, upon your life rests the providential hand of God to fulfill His glorious purpose in you and through you. You say, me, yes, you. Not only did Moses, the man who is speaking here, was he prepared, but he was called. And God called him out for the job that he had him to do. When he was 40 years old, he got in trouble with the authorities in Egypt and he had to flee for his life, and he went into the desert, and he took the raising sheep, and having lived at the heights of, 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 of prominence in Egypt, now he was a sheep farmer in the desert. But yet God's hand was upon him, and God was at work in his life, preparing him to shepherd Israel. And after 40 years, God touched him. And God spoke to him at the burning bush. And God called him to a work and a purpose before him to go back to Egypt and to lead his people out and to share with them about promised land living. Do you view your life as one that God has touched supernaturally? As he was with Moses, so is he with us. The Bible says that not only was he prepared, not only was he called, but he was God's man. In fact, in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11, it says that God spoke with him face to face. Spoke to him face to face. Listen, there is no good life apart from an intimate, personal relationship with the living God. And Moses devoted himself to this. Here was the man that had all the prominence of Egypt. And after 80 years of living 
after 80 years of preparation, after 80 years of God's providence, after 80 years, Moses found that the good life, the good life is only found in properly relating to the Lord and abundant life in Him. And Moses had a sense of the eternal. Moses understood that God was greater than Pharaoh. God, Moses understood that the purpose of God and the purposes of God are infinitely more significant than all of the wealth of this world. And he embraced it. Wouldn't you love to sit down and spend time with a man like Moses and talk about this journey in his life? That's what we're going to do the next four nights. So who was this man? He was Moses, God's man. But I want you to notice next what Moses had to say. What did Moses have to say? Notice in verse 3. He introduced people to the God of the Word. And it came to pass in the 40th year in the 11th month that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according to all that the, listen, that the Lord had given him. You see, it is, it is a wonderful thing to believe in a God who is high and holy. It is a wonderful thing to believe in a God that is almighty and great and above all things. But it's, listen, it is even more wonderful to know that this God who is not so remote that He is unknowable and unreachable, but one who is willing to communicate to us in our own language. And He has given us His Word. He is a knowable God. And He speaks to the people of God. I pray, listen, I pray that you did not come just to hear sermons. But you came to allow God to speak to you personally and privately in the depths of your heart. Moses stood before the people and he explained and he expounded the Word of God. And God, listen, God is only knowable on His terms. His blessings come on His terms. And Moses stood before the people and he articulated the Word of God to make it abundantly clear. Why? Because when we hear the Word of God and we're confronted with the Word of God, then we... No, we have no more excuses. You cannot escape or avoid what is being said. The good life cannot be found if you are prone to plug your ears and to cover your heart when you are confronted with the truth of God and the voice of God in His Word. But then I want you to notice the next thing. To whom did He speak? He stood before them. Look at verse 1 again. These be the words which Moses spoke unto all Israel. Who is Israel? To whom is He speaking? He is speaking to God's covenant people. To God's very own people. Who is God speaking to in our age today? He is speaking to you as we gather together over these next four nights. As we gather together as the people of God. Who are we? We are God's covenant people. We have covenanted together with Him through the blood of His Son. We have covenanted together with the people of God in baptism as we covenant together as the people of God to fulfill His purpose on earth. 
And this means that God had made some very special commitments to them. And He expected them to respond. And this is the role of the local New Testament church today. They were God's chosen people. They were not chosen because they were something special. But as recipients of God's grace, redeemed by the blood of Christ, they had been chosen to be God's people, to be a conduit of His blessings to all the nations of the world. And this is also the role of this church. And so your church, your very life, your very homes are to be a reflection and a channel of God's, of God's truth, of who God is to a world that knows nothing about Him. Is your life significantly different? Are your pursuits significantly different Is your life significantly blessed from that of your unsaved friends? Then the fourth thing I want you to say, where I want you to see as we introduce this, is where did he say it? Notice what it says again in verse one. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness. Now that's very significant. I want you to get this. Where did he say it? He said it on the border of the good land of promise. And God's intention was that they would move quickly through the desert as they left Egypt, as they went through the waters of the Red Sea. It was God's intention that they would move quickly through the desert and to the blessed land of promise. But what happened? You know the story. Unfortunately, they chose not to trust or obey God. And as a, as a result, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And it was only an 11-day journey. Wow. What a waste. Where were they? This side of Jordan. They were within the boundary. They were in the boundary but at the same time they were still in the barren wilderness of defeat. And during this 40 years, a whole generation of the rebellious was dying. And a new generation of faith was being raised up. Which generation describes you? That's the real question. Wandering in the wilderness as an unbelieving believer or standing up by faith and going into the land of promise and becoming and being all that God intended you to be? And then I want to notice the next question. Not only where did he say it, but when did he say it? This is found in verse 2 and 3. Look at, notice what it says. There are eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel. When did he say it? I want you to get this. One of the most amazing aspects of the nature of God. And this is why revivals are possible. Listen. Why are revivals possible? 
one of the most amazing aspects of the nature of God is that even in our defeats, He is standing ready and willing to graciously teach us. You got that? Forty years! And they're standing at the boundary. They're standing at the boundary of the land of promise. And God stands and speaks through His servant Moses. And He speaks a message of grace and promise. That's why revival is possible. You may be sitting out there and you say, listen, I've been wandering around the wilderness. I've chosen my own way all my life. I've made a mess of my life. God cannot use me. God cannot turn it around. Not according to this. Not according to this. When did he say it? After 40 years of learning the faithfulness of God. After 40 years of learning the faithfulness of God, these people had grumbled and they had growled and they had griped. They had rebelled and they had resisted. But through it all, God kept teaching them and showing them and revealing Himself unto them about the unshakable faithfulness of God. The unshakable faithfulness of God. He gave them water. He gave them manna. He showed His very presence. Fire by night and a cloud by day. He protected them from their enemies. How many times does God have to show you before you will believe? How many times does God have to tell us to prove Himself? When will we ever learn? And then not only, when did He say it? Not only after 40 years of learning the faithfulness of God, but also after 40 years of experiencing the consequences of wrong choices. You get that? God reveals Himself. God speaks. God shows His way. And He speaks loudly and clearly through the promises of His Word, or He speaks just as loudly and just as clearly as He reveals the consequences of our wrong choices. Has doing things your way brought you the land of promise? Has it brought you promised land living? Has it brought you the good life? Has rebellion against God ever blessed or helped anyone? Have they ever, has it ever brought what they searched for? And then I want you to notice the last thing. Not only we say, when did He say it? But the last thing I want you to say, why did He say it? Look at verse 6. The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, You've dwelt long enough in this mountain. You have dwelt long enough where you are. Aren't you tired of it? Don't you think that it's time for a change? Don't you think it's time to become and to claim all that God has for you? Look at verse 8. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord sware. He swore it unto your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give unto them to their seed after them. Somebody needs to read that to the president. <laughs> but listen, this is what God's promised. He promised to them and He promised the, the, this promised land living. Now, notice what he says. 
Why did he say it? He wanted to remind them and he wants to remind us of three things about ourselves. He wanted them to look back and see their defeated history behind them in verse 6. You, you have dwelt in defeat long enough. Don't you think enough is enough? Don't you think that you've been calling the shots in your life long enough? Has it brought you the good life? Absolutely not. Why did he say it? He wanted to remind them of their defeated past. But he also wanted to remind them of their glorious destiny that was before them. In verse 8, Behold, behold, I have set the land before you. The land of promise was before them. Promised land living is before you to claim, to conquer, to experience. And God has a great plan for your life. A great plan for your life. No longer wandering without purpose, but the good life of spiritual destiny. I look back over my life, and I don't say this bragging. I, I say this for all the glory of God. But I look at this shy kid at 19 years old. That I mean, I was the type of kid that if I had to stand up before a class and give an oral report before the whole class, I'd tell the teacher, just give me an F and balance the grades at the end. I hope I passed. I could not speak in front of anybody. And when God began to call me to preach, I said, Lord, I know you're calling me, but I can't speak. It was a Jeremiah moment. And even when I answered the call to preach, you know, I thought, man, God can't use anybody like me. But I want you to understand that God took this by His grace and by His power and He's given me a life and a ministry that's carried me all over this world, around this globe. I want you to see God has a great plan for your life. He has a great plan for this church. No longer wandering without but a purpose of spiritual destiny. And then I want you to notice what he says. In verse 8, not only wants them to see their defeated history, not only wants them to see their glorious destiny, but he wants them to see their spiritual responsibility. He says, go in and possess the land. Go. 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 And possess the land. You see, this promised land living, this good life that God wants us to enjoy, this abundant life that is promised in Christ Jesus, is not for the uninitiated. It is not for the irresponsible. It is not for the undisciplined. Our responsibility is to personally respond to God according to what He clearly, unmistakably has enunciated to us through His Word. And only as we do that, we then begin to discover the promised land living that He so freely offers. Jesus said this, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Today I trusted Christ as a young boy of eight years old, having heard the gospel from my father. 
At that moment, I receive life, eternal life, that will never end. But I want you also to understand, to enjoy the abundant life comes about when you make a choice. I'm not going to wander in the wilderness anymore. I'm going to publicly identify with the one who saved me. And I'm going to cross over into the land that he has promised. And conquer and live victoriously through the power of the Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what revival is all about. Jesus Christ came to introduce us to life, eternal life, and the abundant life. And the abundant life has never been found in the wilderness. It is only found in the land of promise. And apart from Jesus Christ, the good life is a fruitless search of futility. Let us never forget that. Let's stand and pray. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, I, I pray that you'll just take these words of Moses as we introduce this promised land, living this good life. And Father, use it to speak to your people tonight. God, help us to just be still and to know your presence. Help us, Lord, to enter into your holy presence and to properly relate to you this week. Help us, oh Father, to see ourselves where we really are. Perhaps everyone here that is still in Egypt, they've never been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Perhaps there are those who have been saved, but they have been wandering in the wilderness for years, and they're empty, and they're hurting, and they're tired, and they seek for more. They would not be here tonight. Father, I pray that you'll give your people an understanding not only of who you are, but the land of promise that you freely give. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask you tonight as we prepare for invitation, would you just be still and know that he is God and ask God through these messages this week to speak to you and to reveal himself to you as he is, but to reveal yourself to you as you are. Because you see, it's only on those terms that we can really then begin to move in the direction that God wants us to. If you've never been saved, I pray tonight you'll trust Christ. Trust Him as your Lord and Savior. But above all, if you have been saved, be still and know that He is the Lord. Seek His face even now as we pray.